Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. We've never dealt with anything like this before, and so I think we have to reinvent this whole thing. What would you like to do? I would so just love to spend as much time as I can with him. I want to be able to let him know how I feel and see if it's something that he's feeling so lovely, you know? So in your mind right now, is this over? Congratulations, you've just blown up The Bachelorette. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. I was trying to say it how you say Bachelor Clues. I don't even know if I can say this is Bachelor Clues. I feel like I've been changed, transformed by the events of the night into something better. A Bachelor (laughs) Clues 2.0. I don't know. I just feel elevated. (laughs) After seeing what I've seen. What is Bachelor Clues 2.0? It's a Bachelor Clues that can operate at a higher level, that can see through everything they are putting in front of us (laughs) to what's behind it. Tonight was so fucking full of producer machinations, good play, bad play, subtlety, strangeness, even a shitty acting performance by DLH himself. It was a true feast. but. There's something bigger than that that we've been watching. We've been following some numbers very closely, as probably all of you have too, because there is a very important event that is happening right now. At the time of this recording, at 11.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the number is at 986,000. And if only... 14,000 more followers come in for Tasha Adams. She is going to be the first black player in history to join the Million Club. A historic fucking moment. And this number has gone up a thousand followers in the past 10 minutes. I am minutes. on the edge of my seat. So by the time we are done recording this, it might be over a million. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. As we record, and maybe by the end of this episode, we're going to have it. Tasha Adams will have broken through. We'll keep you updated. Before we dive into tonight's game, I just want to say this. I think I'm a convert. I don't think they talked before the show. What? <laughs> I know. As I said, this experience transformed Phantom me. Night one. Phantom Night 1 happened. We have concrete evidence of it in this very fucking episode. But I don't believe they spoke (laughs) other than that. I don't think they DM'd. I don't think they called one another. You think there's a Phantom Night 1, but there's no cybering. That's correct. I believe that in those five months, they adhere to the contract. I am now converted to that. But Phantom Night 1 happened. She said it did. We'll get to that. Needless to say, tonight's episode was historic in virtually every way. We have never seen anything like it, and it signifies something very, very important that has now happened, I think, just in the whole of reality television. I think this night is a watershed moment, and we will get to why. 
and we are starting this episode right now. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We're back where we left off last week. Kenny is leading the charge in this mutiny in a tank top that is quickly withering away. Wait, 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 wait. Before that, DLH opens this episode with this line of dialogue. It's an episode of The Bachelorette you won't believe. No shit. (laughs) I don't believe anything in this show. And this episode was the biggest (laughs) fucking pack of lies I have ever seen in my life. It was fucking crazy. This was like watching Fox News. I thought it was more like a beautiful soap opera. Or perhaps Claire and Dale and DLH repeating the same phrases back and forth to each other like some sort of witches putting on a spell. This show was all about the producers. They were the only people that I saw in this show at all. Everybody else was a puppet. You're the puppet. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that opening line, it's an episode of Bachelorette you won't believe. I was just like, thesis. He states it right at the beginning. None of this is real. And then we get into it. Kenny and some of the guys are sitting around talking about how she gave herself the group rose in the last episode and they didn't get time with her. And the phrase is said by Kenny, this is on her. This is in the first few seconds of the fucking episode, and it tells us all we need to know. This is on her. This is Claire's fault. The men view it that way, at least Kenny does, and because the producers are including that line of dialogue in the show, they want us to feel that way too. This is on her. Whatever's about to happen, the derailment of the game, Claire's fault. She is the villain. That's what they're conveying here. Yeah, I thought this was. Kenny going along with what the producers want way too much in this line. It's giving him sort of a villain-adjacent edit to me. But he has no real choice. None of them do. This is uncharted territory for them. They're all just hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Please let me stay in this show. Maybe there's going to be a paradise. I just want more screen time. All these guys came in this game to get Instagram followers. Sure, maybe they wind up with her. Maybe they don't. Whatever. But they're all there for Instagram followers. And they know they've only been there for a week. And the whole fucking thing's coming down around him. Kenny's just like, sure. What do you want me to say? Okay. It's Claire's fault. She's a total asshole. She punched me in the face. Whatever. Claire loads love level three in her ITM. She says, I'm so falling in love with Dale. She's journaling about their intangible chemistry. Pen touches paper here. Just like the last time we saw her journaling. I grant this motion, your honor. Pen, in fact, does touch paper here. We see it happen. But Claire here also says something. Mm -hmm. Claire says, there is a fine line between respecting the process and going for what you want, and Dale is what I want. In this line, which the producers have made her say and they put in here, she is putting out the idea that there's a difference between the process and what she's doing. Going after Dale. She's basically implying here full admission of guilt. I put this on me. I'm breaking the process. I'm disrespecting the process. Again, this is all to build the idea that this is all Claire's fault. It's all her free will. The producers have nothing to do with it. And they're just feeding her these fucking lines. Claire gets a knock knock. It's DLH. He says, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) He says, can we sit and have a chat? 
Can I rearrange the furniture? He knows this type of emotional conversation and what the furniture setup should look like, like the back of his hand. He's like, this chair placement right here allows me to get this correct angle to look the most 4TRR as I have this deep conversation with Claire. Thought that was hilarious. And when he fucking comes in, here's what he says to Claire. (laughs) We need to talk and we need to have a serious, honest, just you and me talk. There's a fucking room full of cameras and producers. There's no you and me talk, dude. This is all acting. All lies. Do you believe they had this conversation off camera first? Like rehearsed it? Yes. 100%. The producers told her how this is going to go at every step. Chris is going to have to come in. You're going to have to have a conversation about this. We need to really feel that you love Dale. We need to. We need the people at home to feel like this is real. And if you really are having these feelings, just be honest about it. Like, fucking let it out. How Are you in love with him? Like, how did this happen so fast? You're crazy about him, right? Yeah. I'm head over heels for Dale. It's so crazy because then she says it. Concrete proof positive <laughs> that Phantom Night 1 happened she says even when we stopped filming because of covid and had to go into the quarantine blah 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 again even when we stopped filming i mean we know they were filming the guy's intros presumably they filmed a longer intro for her too so who's the we she's referring to in this we me my production oh her in the show yeah not her and the guys her in the show I'm not, this is not like 100% conclusive, but it's 99. It's right the fuck there. We stopped filming? Come on. You, that doesn't fucking raise a couple hairs on the back of your neck a little bit? I mean, but filming can be used as like people in entertainment talk about it. Like, oh, you know, we stopped filming that season. It's not like we cut the cameras in the middle of a night one. It's more like we shut down the show. It is subjective. There's interpretation to be applied here. We see it differently. That's all I'm saying. I'm, this is pushing me into the Phantom Night one more and more. And I support you. Just go there. We need this. But then the next thing she says is, in my mind, the most important thing that happened in this episode, maybe in modern reality television history, certainly in the entire history of Bachelorette, except some of the very first seasons that were instrumental. Don't. I can't get started on this. I can't go down the fucking historical path. But I will just say this. This moment, watershed moment, she says that she did look at their social media pages. Yeah. She did research them. And here we understand what might have happened. Let's say, I don't, I don't know if they talked or not. I don't think they did now. But let's say that they didn't. Let's just go there with me, okay? Believe that. That's the truth we're living in. But she did look at his social media pages, as she Mm -hmm. admits. Dale's parasocial game was so fucking strong that he won the entire game on just his Instagram. Just like Trump won the White House on Twitter. The parasocial world is now the primary world. It is all that matters. In-person meeting, irrelevant. She fell in love with him by looking at his fucking Twitter. This is literally a moment where Instagram is now eating the show. The Bachelor must now integrate social media or potentially be destroyed by it. Because just having five months where they could look at each other's Instagrams 
fucking ruined the whole show. We picked the winner from Instagram, and so did Claire. And she's looking at his Instagram and brings up his PTC, how he was posting on Mother's Day. She's like sobbing, looking at these videos that he's doing to camera. I'm with you on that. He has a very robust social media and he is talking to camera and I do feel unstoppable when he tells me that I'm unstoppable. Dale pretty much mirrors this. We'll we'll get to that later. I don't want to ruin that because that's a beautiful moment as well. But (laughs) I just want to make sure the importance of this moment fucking lands because it's Claire saying, I fell in love with him by looking at his fucking Instagram. And if you can allow people to do that before the show, it's a fucking wrap, as Dale might say. You're not going to have a show. And really, this is what the show did. Ever since season four with Bob Guinea, where they brought in the first player from a prior season of Bachelorette, all of the women on his season had watched him on the prior season of Bachelorette. They developed a parasocial relationship with him from the moment they stepped in that fucking mansion. They knew who he was, and they were all already in love with him. Now we're watching it play out at a fucking scale that we've never seen because we have social media. Because especially during the quarantine, every, she's just at home all day scrolling through his fucking shit. She yeah. watched every video that motherfucker ever made. And he probably did the same thing to her. On Bob Guinea's season, we saw the first night one kiss. And it is because the women had developed that parasocial relationship with him, felt closer to him, trusted him more, etc. It made the game go faster. And if she's really at a point in her life where she's like, fuck it, I want to meet a man, I want to fucking fall in love. She's scrolling through everybody's Instagram that she can from the show, and she's making that choice immediately. Because if she's already in that mindset, she's going to look at your Instagram, and if your Instagram's not good, you're fucking out. That's a prejudgment that is locked in stone. But if your Instagram is good, oh, what about this guy? Well, let me go, oh shit, he's got this, he's got this. And yes, they have a lot of similarities in their lives, it seems. But... His fucking Instagram is so good. It's so curated. It's perfect. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And it's not only nothing wrong with it, it's at such a fucking high level. He does it so well. His posts, and we'll get into it in next week's This Week in Bachelor Nation, but his Instagram posts during this are, like, up there for Parasocial Play of the Week for me. Like, every single thing he does. They're so good. From the Superman memes to him, you know, revealing his political allegiance this week. He wrote hashtag Biden Harris. In my opinion, he's the best parasocial male player we have ever seen. Tyler Cameron has bigger numbers. PP has bigger numbers, but they're not good at it. Tyler Cameron's YouTube videos, they need work. (laughs) Let me just say that. His Instagram's fine because a lot of it's like modeling and stuff. They had the quarantine crew, but they didn't understand the nature of the language of social media. Not like Dale Moss does. It seems like he was born for this shit. Yeah. And we're seeing now he's so good at it. He made her fall in love with him before they ever met. Possibly. You know, met. Whatever you want to say. Phantom Night 1. Cybered. Yeah, I don't think they cybered now. I, I think they really didn't talk in those five months. I'm I don't not know. Fuck. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm God damn. Neither am I. One. Neither am I. You're, <laughs> I'm reconvincing myself. <laughs> I don't know. I just oh, think shit. it would be so easy to get away with and no one would know. DLH asks her, did you guys talk before the show? She says, not one single word. That's why I'm so into this. She says, I spent years knowing what I don't want. So she knew this. She just wanted a guy with an amazing, amazing grab. <laughs> 
Well, she wanted somebody who was like her dad. And strangely, this whole episode is about her dad. Oh, God. Yeah. They keep talking about dad showing up and how Dale is like the dad. And even in this moment, DLH is sitting in that fucking chair across from her, essentially becoming her father. He's a very fatherly figure in this moment saying like, well, if this is what you want, anything for my daughter, kind of. And we even see him fucking fake cry. He wipes away a false fucking tear from his tired eye. It's bad acting, but he's at least conveying that he's shedding a fatherly kind of tear at seeing his daughter fall in love. I kind of get the feeling that they have these phrases each season, you know, like, oh, you're looking for your dad, looking for someone who will show up, like never giving up, that kind of thing, that they would play a couple times in each episode and spread them out. But here they just put like 50 of them in the same episode dlh is saying you've spent so long looking for someone like your dad claire is saying that dale is saying that we're just hearing these sentences said back and forth that are like the themes of this love story dlh says here you spent so long looking for someone like your dad is that dale claire yeah he continually showed up for me i've waited so long for this almost this whole episode is scripted there's a producer standing a foot away being like can you claire just say that you're waiting for somebody to show up and dale has shown up can you use the phrase shown up And at this point, she's like, I just want fucking out of here. I do. Look, maybe I'm fucking, maybe I'm a simp for The Bachelor now, but I think (laughs) they might actually be like really emotionally connected to one another. I didn't know Bachelor Clues 2.0 was a simp. That's news. It looks like Biden's about to get elected. I'm simping for a lot of shit now. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. There's a piece of me. I saw that end thing at the end of this episode and I was like, fuck, is that real? It flashed through my mind. Well, Claire and DLH both cry here. And DLH delivers us his famously improv line. Congratulations, you've just blown up the Bachelorette. He maintains that he improved it. That one, I'm for sure, was written for us. I want to see the outtakes, the ad-libs, if there were other ones. Claire, you've wrecked the Bachelorette. Claire... The Bachelorette's never going to be the same because of you. It would need to include their their theme. Claire, you're not showing up for The Bachelorette any longer. Do you think they had Waboom sequestered there in one of the other rooms and they had him come out in one of them? Claire, you've blown up The Bachelorette. Waboom! <laughs> I think they should sequester him just in case for every season. Anytime somebody gets kicked off outside of a rose ceremony, like yeah. if they get kicked off on a one-on-one <laughs> or something, he's there. Wah-boom! <laughs> so then we come back from the commercial, and the guys are burnt out and frustrated. They're all in the common room. Zach C. here pipes up, and he literally lays out his game plan. He says, I don't care what's going on between her and Dale. I'm going to let her know that I don't give up and I fight no matter what. And he says, I'm going to leave it all on the field. (laughs) It's like, he doesn't give a shit what she's feeling or what's going on here. He's letting everybody know, I'm not quitting this fucking game, dudes. I'm playing to the goddamn end. (laughs) These guys are heavy on their sports metaphors. They keep doing them. Dealich comes into the rec center, though. He tells the guys, there's no cocktail party. Dun, dun, dun. Let's it sink. There's no rose ceremony. Dun, dun, dun. I'll see you all tomorrow. Oh, by the way, Dale, can I talk to you? Dale gets time out. As DLH tells him, Claire wants to spend some time with you tonight. Blake here does a nice move. He's sticking up for Claire. He goes, uh, 
she wouldn't do that to us. He's praising the process. It's so fucking early. Fuck that. Like, Claire would never. He's like, the game can't end now. That Zach Seed thing reminds me of, I used to play baseball in like an adult baseball league. If some team was like crushing the other fucking team, you would get run ruled and they would just call the game early. If it was like 20 to zero in the fifth inning, it'd just be like, we're not playing all nine innings of this. Everybody fucking go home. You're like Mm -hmm. grown old men who are going to fucking pull hamstrings and shit. Let's just save everybody the injuries. And I feel like Zach C was like the guy, there's always one on every team that's like, fuck it, let's play it out. Come on, guys, let's keep playing. And it's like, no, we're beat. We're like, let's just fucking go home. (laughs) And we get a line here summarizing where Claire's at. It's scary to express feelings for the first time. If he's not at the same place as me, and then this is Frankenstein together, I'll be crushed. Because Claire's whole thing is that she won't be crushed and like, She's still standing after all these douchey men. And then at the same time, they're Frankensteining a line together to be like, and if this guy is not for her, she's going (laughs) to fucking have her life ruined. She'll be broken. Well, this is where they really start trumping up this fake drama. In reality, Claire and Dale have probably already discussed all this shit. They're like, yeah, I like you. You like me. Let's date outside of this. And now we see the escalation of what the producers are going to make them do to get that opportunity. But here's where it starts, where it's like, oh, I don't know how he's thinking about me. And this is all fake. The producers are telling her like, okay, we need this to be like a dramatic thing. You don't know if he's going to be on your level and all the other dumb fucking twists and turns they tried to put in this to make it an episode when it's just really not. It's clear they tried to twist so many things that weren't twists this episode. Claire loads love level three. She's scared to tell him. She's wearing, I guess, what would be her finale dress or probably one of the ones she meant to wear far down the line. I think a lot of this stuff, what ends up happening this night is Dale gets a one-on-one date with her, this weird impromptu one-on-one. Dark Lord Harrison pulls him out of the group of guys and says, she wants to talk to you. Here we go. I think her dress... I also think later we see a scene, obviously, where he proposes to her. I think that little place, which we'll get to, was where they were going to originally shoot the final rose ceremony. Yeah. Because it has a path of pain, which we will get to what that is as well when we come to that scene. But every final rose ceremony has a path of pain. Claire explains herself to Dale, says, I've been doing everything I want to do. I wasn't able to give any of the guys on the group date a rose because I was thinking about you. She does not mention that she gave herself the group date rose, though. (laughs) And she says, I've been praying for a man with the qualities of my dad, someone really strong and kind and compassionate. My sisters told me I was expecting too much from a guy. You have been nothing but that. And Delos repeats these lines right back to her, mimicking her, saying, the thing about the dad qualities, that means a lot. I want to know about your parents. And then it's not even about mirroring emotional ties to these events. They literally share stories of their fathers both having hitchhiked to meet their mothers <laughs> and getting married after only knowing them for a day or some yeah, shit. Yeah, they're trading these parental marriage longevity stories. <laughs> but it's also tying us back into the notion of the father being important and kind of shaping who they were and looking for a guy who's willing to do that, who's willing to show up for the woman. In each case, these fathers are hitchhiking to show up for the mothers. So we're getting that fucking reinforced, beat over our heads. I have no idea if these stories are true or not. My favorite moment was 
Claire is saying, oh, yeah, he hitchhiked to propose to my mom. And three weeks later, they were engaged, married three months later. And Dale Moss, to show how closely he's listening, he goes, James loved Lily. <laughs> this is basic NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. You nod, you accept what they're saying is true, and then you offer a little tidbit that shows you have heard and understand and agree with what they're saying. And also, both of these stories are about couples getting married immediately, not waiting. and. So that's giving credence to what they're about to do. It's making it okay. We can justify what we're doing because our fucking parents did it. The age-old story. I learned it by watching mom and dad. That's how I was raised. Blah, blah, blah. And look where that's gotten us in humanity. Since the very first two humans had a baby and raised it however way it was raised, now we're here. 2020. (laughs) Fucking world caving in on us. I never expected we were going to do a recap episode literally in the middle of the election. (laughs) It's pretty wild. Like, I'm watching this fucking episode of TV, which is like, to me, artistically, culturally important in terms of what it's representing with like social media, parasocial shit, how that's kind of gobbling up television, certainly network television. We literally saw it happen tonight. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm fucking refreshing my phone at a fucking equal pace on who's the next president and did Tasha Adams hit a million fucking followers? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at both of them with the same amount of enthusiasm. I won't say same amount. Tasha's up, by the way, 987K as of wow. right now. Keep us posted. I will. <laughs> but <laughs> back in this uh, reality TV arena, Dale hits his PTC again, talks about how when they lost his mom, that his family was broken. He starts to cry here, pulls out actual tears. He says his family was lost and he had to bury anything for himself. Couldn't feel because his family was falling apart. He had to hold them together. So he had these walls. And Claire, of course, volleys right back, returns the PTC. I went through exactly what you felt when your mom passed away. I felt so much of that when my dad passed away. (laughs) Do you think that they are just extremely similar people? I think they are extremely similar people in terms of life experience. I don't know about anything else, but yes, I think they've gone through some similar traumas. And certainly what they were talking about, I take it face value. They did both have parents who died. I can understand how that would shut you down emotionally for a little while. And they're both just kind of coming out of it now. And they found each other at the right time. I believe all of that. The thing that is most interesting to me about this conversation occurs right after what you're talking about, where he describes the first time he saw her being when she was announced as Bachelorette. So that would have been on Good Morning America. Oh, right. The earliest I woke up this year. This is where he first saw her. Through a parasocial fucking lens, just like how she first saw him. So they met in quotes, in the parasocial world. They developed a parasocial relationship with one another, independent of one another. They have not yet talked, but they've begun falling in love with one another through fucking social media. Yeah, he matches her parasocial love story. I just can't state this enough. Parasocial relationships are the most important relationships we now have. For anyone in the connected world, 52% of the human population, the other 48% obviously are not on the internet and therefore do not have any parasocial relationships, unless I guess they get it through television, but it's not quite the same. For people who have social media, that half of the world, this is some new other shit, and you're really seeing it play out here 
where it fucking destroyed the... I mean, this is the fucking Bachelor. They've done 24 seasons of The Bachelor, 16 of Bachelorette, 6 BIPs, what was it, 1 or 2 winter games, 3 Bachelor pads. They've never had anything like this happen. And I think the producers of this show, maybe even the fandom of it, will be like, well, it was because of COVID. It ain't because of COVID. It's social media. That's what did this. But the producers also completely pushed her out. I don't think the effect would have been as big. No, the producers pushed her out, though, because they knew that she had fallen in love with him on Mm -hmm. fucking Instagram. I'm saying if Instagram didn't exist or if the producers would have better hampered their ability to use it, this would not be taking place, even with COVID. Five months on a lockdown without shooting, if they aren't talking to each other, if they're not looking at each other's fucking pictures every goddamn day, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe she would have met him and they would have hit it off, but there still would have been a 10-round game. She would have gone through the process for sure. No, she's not going through the process because she feels like she knows him so well. She loads her love level four. I'm so in love with this man. Then we get a brief shot of some of the guys hanging out by the pool complaining about things. (laughs) Jason says, when I start getting hurt and I'm not able to express my feelings towards them, I'm going to freak out. They're not handling this that well. (laughs) And then, of course, Blake doesn't think Dale has the long game necessary to win. And he is pissed that the game is over too early, essentially. And I got to say, We've had sentiments of this, and it only builds with the guys. That kind of becomes the story of the other guys, the dejected second placers, the losers bracket, if you will. This idea that they're like, some of them anyway, some of them play it perfectly, but Blake plays the pissed off card. Yeah, He's kind of like, you owe me better than this show. I came on here to fucking like see what kind of a deep run I could make and how many Instagram followers I'm getting. And you're telling me the fucking game's over in the third inning? Fuck that. Blake reacting so butthurt to this was my error, 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 error of the game. He goes on to do it more later, but this was not the way to play this off. I don't even know if I had an error of the game. I don't think anybody really made one. Not that I could see. There was nobody who was penalized for any play. I'll say that much. They're penalized in my mind. Oh, sorry. It's hurting well. the Pace Case edit. As a member of the fourth audience, it wasn't good for me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. For me, it just got him some screen time, which was good. He's at least trying to promote himself into some kind of dramatic situation that he knows the producers will give time to. And that was about it. Especially once we find out what happens, it's kind of like he gets a clean slate anyway. They all do. So whatever his attitude was about Claire and how this is all fucking ending, it's kind of irrelevant. Back on the date, Claire tells Dale, it's hard talking about how much I feel for you. We've just started this process, but I'm like, no, Claire, be open-minded. But every time I wake up, I think about you. When I go to bed at night, I think about you. I can't put it into words. I'm so falling in love with you. Love level three is him here. (laughs) How long has she been thinking about him at night? She's been thinking about him at night all of quarantine before she even met him. And then Dale fucking does it right back. He says he's not afraid to say it or fight the feeling. He has been dying to share this with her. He's falling in love with her too. They are mirrored. Dale's LL3 counterplay to Claire's LL3 initial play was my 
play, 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 play of the game. This motherfucker. It's like his Instagram <laughs> game is so strong that he doesn't even really have to play this game. And he can see this coming from a mile away. This is like a fucking pro baseball player who knows what pitch is coming. And he just fucking sits back and he's like, this is going to be a fucking home run. Throw the fucking fastball, dude. I know it's coming. Crack, gone. He knew it, but still had to make this play perfect. And he fucking did it. No hesitation. He even puts that flourish on it where he's like, I'm not afraid to say it. And I'm not going to fight this feeling. He even qualifies the fact that he's saying it a little bit early. And yes, it seems crazy, but he's like, I'm aware of how crazy it is. And it's not crazy to me. I'm falling in love with you too fucking brilliant this guy has every element of the game the only element he kind of i think was lacking on was the second audience the other players yeah but it's kind of hard to have a good second audience game when you're so dominant in audience one he even has a pretty good game with the third audience the producers that's how you get that shoulder to cry on that s-t-y s-t The S-T-C-O. And they're kind of laying out the red carpet for him here because he's coming off for TRR. He just has a tool set that is fucking unbelievable. I think people at home like him. I think he's a good fourth audience player. The second audience is really the only one he had a little trouble with. But again, it's just because his game is so dominant. It's very hard to befriend people when you're fucking literally smashing them at every opportunity. His game is so good that he's gotten rid of the second audience. There is no second audience anymore. <laughs> Four episodes, second audience gone. <laughs> I mean, he plays this absolutely perfectly. He's just like, my heart is open. I've been dying to share this with you. He mimics, they mimic each other some more. He says it is what it is. Claire goes, what is happening? He goes, life, love, just go for it. He's basically literally living a Nike commercial right now. <laughs> They kiss. Then they're finishing up their dinner, falling in love with each other, staring at each other's eyes. So we start to hear some music playing. Who is it? Who's singing this? It sounds like live music. It is. It's Chris and Bree from Listen to Your Heart doing a rendition of their most popular song, Found You. I had a dream once upon a time. I couldn't believe this. We are reprising Chris and Bree, the winners of Listen to Your Heart. They had a date during Listen to Your Heart where they had to perform for an interracial couple on this wedding-themed date where they were at their wedding. And now they are having to do that with Dale and Claire as well. It's just feels very forced. Feels very forced. Where the fuck did they come from? If we're to believe that all this shit went down in the manner that it did, Claire that morning wakes up, DLH comes in, what the fuck do you want to do? I don't know, let's blow up the Bachelorette, all this shit, have dinner with him, cut the guys, all this crazy shit is supposedly happening that is not planned at all, but there's Chris and Bree to sing them a private performance song after they pledged their undying love to each other. Either they had Chris and Bree there and they were going to use them for some other date. I mean, they were going to play And they just say like, fuck it. I think they could have had them for the private concert portion of the date, for sure. And that date was going to be some other one-on-one. 
I think they were there for an important one-on-one date for the private concert part. They often do this. And they were like, oh, shit, we weren't going to have it tonight, but let's let's put it together. Let's bring him out for this. Let's make it seem like wedding-ish. And we get nothing from Chris and Brie. We don't even get one line in an iTunes. No. We just see them singing, and that is it. You do your fucking job, and you stand over there. You get nothing. You are not really a part of this franchise. No. You're just our entertainment. Not even one line like, hey, I mean, you guys are still together. It's pretty good for a Bachelor franchise couple. Uh, Dale also reprises his signature move here. He lifts Claire on the dance floor. They're getting kisses left and right. Their kiss count this episode was off the charts. And Claire brings Dale back to her suite. And we learn this has been a fantasy suite date, and we didn't even know it. And the lights go out in this room as Chris and Bree are still out there singing somewhere. We can hear them. (laughs) And we are led to believe that this date concluded with a consummation. And we are led further to believe this when we come back the next morning and the dogs are sleeping on the couch and their fucking clothes are all over the floor and they're in bed together. Dale is shirtless. That red dress is on the floor. Is Claire going to burn that dress one day? That one's going in a frame, baby. That's hanging over their bed. By the way, did this moment bother you that we get this consummation this early? Dale has crushed Nick Vial's record. What record? fastest to consummate oh yeah this is the fastest in the history of the game man or woman. i'm saying he beat nick vial's record the current holder he beat that record yeah i'm asking if that crushes you no why would it just wondering you are under this false idea <laughs> that i want nick vial to be the best player or care about him in any way <laughs> yeah my false he simply idea. objectively is the best player if somebody comes along who is way better than him that will be the best player in this case, Dale Moss is the best early fornicator. I don't know what we want to call that, but he's the best at closing a game quickly. He's the best at getting to the final phase of the chemistry portion of your game faster than anyone else, for sure. Right. But he still doesn't have the most total roses like Nick Vial does. He still doesn't have the most screen time like Nick Vial does. He still doesn't have two second place finishes like Nick Vial does. He still wasn't the Bachelor like Nick Vial was, and he's never appeared on Bachelor in Paradise. Your readiness with that script, it's, uh, it's very clear of you. Call it what you want. I call it facts. They're in bed together, and Claire says, what's going to happen next? And Dale says, haven't thought about it. And Claire's like, well, you have to. And he's like, oh, no, I have thought about it. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, you want me to have done this? I've done it. And they get another double reinforcement in this session of Pillow Talk that they did not speak to one another before the show. She even says, we should take a lie detector test. And he says, I know I'd pass that. Me too. The producers have chosen to include this in the edit. Why? Because they didn't have the budget for an actual lie detector, but they wanted this to serve as proof. They did it. To validate that the process of the show still works. The rules were adhered to. Maybe they fell in love hard and fast, but the integrity of the process is intact with them saying this, even though it's probably a blatant lie. That's certainly the company line. No cybering. And even if it was true, it still doesn't matter. Because what they fail to understand, the producers even though they themselves produce a form of parasocial media, is that a parasocial relationship prior to the show 
has the exact same effect as if they had been talking to each other every day for eight hours on the phone. It's literally all that matters now, and there will be no admission of that. That comes up later, when Kenny asks a very direct question and DLH fucking dances around it. We'll get to that. But they want this notion in here that they didn't talk, because if they did, it invalidates the entire process. And Claire... ITM's here that she can gladly spend the rest of her life with Dale. She seems ready for proposal time, although that idea hasn't come up yet. And at the threshold, they're making out and she makes a joke with him. Our one-on-one. She's joking like they are still in this process. And I thought that moment was interesting. She's like, I'm still the bachelorette. And we get a little bit of that through the entire episode. You can tell that both Dale and Claire feel a little shitty that they have to kind of keep up the false narrative of the game and deal with the fucking ceremonies and the roses and shit like that still. By the way, we go back to the guys in the rec center and they say Dale has been gone for 18 hours. It has been 18 hours and the men don't know what's happened. It is so funny. I can't imagine having been one of these fucking dudes and we're going to see whatever happens in the rest of the season but they go to la quinta they are locked in a fucking room for a week while they're getting covid tests seeing no one having no human interaction other than producers talking to them through fucking doors they come out and now it's this it's just day after day of this weird shit where it's like you guys are going to go on a group day today then claire doesn't show up for like five hours hours. where is she fuck's going on they don't tell them anything then it's this shit it's all the guys are together. She didn't give out a group rose. And then Dark Lord Harrison's like, Dale, can I see you for a moment? He pulls him aside and he's just gone for and a he's day. Just disappeared. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> These guys are just so fucking. I, I'm very curious to see what happens during Tasha's run here because I don't think any of these guys are psychologically okay at this point. No. We get the two different types of reactions. Blake, it would blow me away if Dale slept over there. And Jason defending. Claire wouldn't do that. The type of person she is. Take that intimacy to the next level. That's a good way to play it, Jason. And then we get a scene that should be taught in every media class in the fucking country. The Dark Lord himself comes to Claire's room. Sits down with a wry smile on his face and says, So how was last night? Could you imagine if the first time you have sex with somebody... As soon as you wake up the next morning, there's a fucking camera crew and Chris Harrison sitting in a chair across from you asking you about how last night went. It's fucking insane. (laughs) It's like he knows he can't get the fucking suffering of players in the regular season, so he's going to make her suffer. He's there to make her squirm. Well, he's making her speed up the process. It's really crazy like did you tell him you love him like checking in like you said you were gonna so did you pull off that thing now we need to get to this step well in this fucking moment she tells dlh that she said i loved you to dale which she did not she went to love level three i'm falling in love with you she at least in the document what they presented to us she never did an ll4 she never said i love you and here the next morning revisionist history oh yeah i love him they have to get to that fucking love level four. They have yeah, to. They are, they're conflating love level threes and fours this whole episode. And Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got 
ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. 
I think it is that they're trying to jam this process through and be like, okay, well, level up. Okay, now we can have a fucking proposal ceremony. DLH, did you tell him you love him? Claire, yes, absolutely. And guess what? He didn't run away. She gets her fucking line in again, hitting these phrases over and over again. He didn't run away. He showed up. I didn't settle. He didn't run away. I showed up. I didn't settle. And then DLH says, you've broken every record, but the goal was to find the man of your dreams and you've done it. Here, the show is acquiescing. The show itself, the producers, cannot be above their own lie of for the right reasons. The show is about love. It's not a game, even though DLH literally said you've broken every record. So the show has to stand by her decision because she's conveying that she's there for the right reasons. So the next step is a proposal. This is the last move DLH has and the last move the show has. Okay, you're in love. Put your fucking money where your mouth is. You say it's for TRR, prove it. He goes, do you want that? Referring to a proposal. And Claire says enthusiastically, of course I want that. Fuck you, Dark Lord. Yep, bring it. And she even then thanks him, aka the show, for not giving up on her. Because you never gave up on me, I get this. The man of my dreams. She also, when he's like, So the next step, proposal, she's like, oh my gosh, he's like, that's where we're headed, as if they're on this train that's left the station and they can't get off. Like, well, you know what this means. This has to happen. And all of this has been discussed for hours with both Claire and Dale up to this point. She's well aware that this is how it has to happen because they've already brokered the end of this. They've already told her, well, here's how this is going to work. Here's what we've put together. We're going to drum up this thing about you guys love each other and you don't know if he's going to propose and you need to have a conversation with Chris about this here. We need you to say these lines. Be sure that you mention you absolutely want the proposal. Be sure that you mention this is real and we're going to move you through it. That's this phase. And even as Dark Lord Harrison is hugging her at the end, he says, I can't believe what you're doing to us. He can't miss that opportunity to just be like, fuck you, asshole. Claire also says, you know when you know, referencing what Deanna said to her in her Council of Crowns. She's in some ways telling DLH that, but in some ways she's telling herself that. Like, all right, full steam ahead. Going to do another engagement on a Bachelor show. Hope this works. We cut to the guys. They're all waiting for Claire together in the common room that we've seen a few times. And Kenny is front and center again, and he puts the blame fully on Claire once more. This is her show. She let this happen. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? Do you not see the producers, the camera people? Her show? Are you out of your mind? That's why I think (laughs) he was pushed in this direction by the producers. I wrote here... Kenny ITMs whatever the producers want, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I literally think they're holding up cue cards for him at this point. (laughs) We get this scene that I had been waiting all episode for. She's like, she tells the guys, she says she does this mass breakup. Well, what I came here for, I think I found, and it's with Dale. I have so much respect for you guys. I would never want to lead any of you on, but I will allow you to wait. 24 hours in holding with no information so that I can go bangdale. I truly wonder if production told her like, oh yeah, we're telling the dudes what's happening. Don't worry about it. And then they just didn't. 
That's a tip for the leads. If you want to tell all the guys something, you should go do it yourself. I absolutely think they did that. They were like, yeah, we'll take care of that on all these dates. That other date where she canceled the day portion of the date, which by the way, Deanna Pappas has come out and said that there was a day portion scheduled that she was supposed to host. And the date was supposed to be all the guys uh, in like a classroom where they have to talk about female anatomy and like put up the little dry erase boards of what they think the vagina is and shit like that. Interesting. And Claire told the producer she didn't want to do that because she had just done this humiliating date where they all had to take their clothes off. And she's like, I'd rather just talk to them. So the guys are all pissed. We get a bunch of ponder shots from them as Claire has dumped them all. You know, they're all thinking, fuck, like, I'm not going to get any fucking Instagram bump from this. We didn't (laughs) even get to go to fucking like the playoffs. No one's going to give a shit. Blake says he's worried she's going to get hurt. He's playing this kind of like concerned guy. You're moving too fast. This isn't going to work out. Meanwhile, he's literally on The Bachelorette. He's like, look, I can understand falling in love with somebody in like eight weeks, but four? I don't know. That seems crazy. Ben does something which was almost my play of the game when it happened. Ivan had just say, said, it takes guts to do what you did. And Ben comes in and says, I second that. I was attracted to your boldness. Even though it didn't work out the way I would have liked, I'm so happy for you. He gives his fucking prepared limo exit speech. Like, this was such a good move. He had it locked and loaded. And it sets up these 4TRR vibes for him dating Tasha. I loved this moment. And all you ever want to do in this moment, by the way, when a bachelorette comes out and says anything to anyone, I agree with you, you're bold, you're a strong, powerful woman, and I'm glad this is happening for you if you're happy about it, and I'm sad this is happening for you if you're sad about it. That is all you're ever doing. So when she comes out and says all this shit, and Blake is like, I don't know, you're just going to get hurt. Kenny fucking, well, were you guys talking before the show? No, dude, none yeah. of that. I mean, he's he's the producer's plant. They're telling him to do this. You have to be bringing this up because they want to try and hit that invalidation. That idea is now implanted in the fucking minds of all of us, the fourth audience. I even thought it for a time. I still kind of do. I'm a little 50-50 on it now. <laughs> I love how you're like, I thought it for a time. I'm like, you have said every single week on this podcast <laughs> for months on end, they've been fucking cybering and I know it. <laughs> You're like, I dallied in the cybering agenda for a little bit. <laughs> I did, but now I'm back to just pure parasocial love. I'm just bitter you're leaving me in the cybering hole alone, which I'm still in. I still, it's so easy for them to have, I believe it. I don't know. I don't know. God, I don't know. I have to do some more thinking about it. But you have these two moves. Again, if Kenny is just a fucking stooge for the producers, fine. Maybe they've already cut him a deal. We'll make sure you're on Paradise if you just fucking run the story out for us. But what Blake's doing here is not a good look. You just want to be supportive. And then Kenny demands a fucking apology. This is why I feel like he's a producer plant. He's like, you should apologize to us. She's like, for what? He's like, I don't know. The producer just said to fucking ask you to do it. And then he tells her she should apologize for faking it after the first night that she knew Dale was just the one. And then she employs a fucking beautiful play of tears here as she's saying, I'm sorry if I wasted your time or hurt any of you, but I won't apologize for love. We get another of these big fucking scripted bachelorette lines. I'm not going to apologize for love. And Jason fucking says, as you shouldn't. 
Another very brilliant fucking play. And we get some other guys coming in thanking her for her courage to share this with them. These are all smart plays. This is exactly what you have to be doing. Oh, Jason is playing this perfectly. He's supporting Claire, but he's also playing this victim role, saying, like, oh, it sucks. Um, Joe Park does the math here. He's like, how many cumulative hours have you spent with Dale before this? Two hours? And Blake <laughs> reveals some scholarly preseason play he did here, which is that he bought a book on dementia in order to get closer to Claire. So he was like, my plan is twofold. I am sliding into those DMs and I'm buying this dementia book and I'm ready. That's preseason work. This is where we're seeing something here. Dale's preseason work was, if we're to believe what they're saying, let's just say we do, it was 100% Instagram and whatever other little videos and shit he had floating around. But he wasn't like reading up about her mom. He wasn't trying to hit into her DMs. Let's say that. So that play, and maybe it's just because of who Dale is and how good he is at that. Maybe that's its own fucking thing. But Blake Moynes is only DMing her and buying this Alzheimer's book. He was not fucking doing anything with his Instagram. His Instagram's okay at best. You got to look at Dale Moss's Instagram and just mimic every fucking picture in it. Dale Moss to me, like seems like a person that we created in our minds for this show like a perfect like robot player i really feel like looking at social media is to bachelorette kind of what steroids were to baseball in the steroid era and moss is basically like a like the barry bonds of our game like yep barry bonds has more home runs than anybody Also, he did more steroids than anybody. (laughs) It's like Dale Moss was able to use this thing that is so outside the game normally. And he had so much of it that was so good. It was just fucking lights out. You can't compete. Instagram posts are his steroids? Her ability to look at them for five months. Mm. Meaning his ability to have that thing in the game. He had such a big preseason event. Okay, I see what you're saying. And then we cut to this fucking shot of dlh out on a back patio somewhere with his phone in his hand getting into some of his own parasocial play (laughs) he's got fucking who on speed dial the demon neil lane and he does a facetime with him we need a sparkler dude we got some crazy shit going on and neil lane's like okay i'll give you a sparkler that's all we see of neil lane sadly we don't get to see fucking neil lane show up anywhere but we still get him on camera he's still in the record in the document because this in effect in dramatic effect, it is still a final episode. So we need these little components. We need Neil Lane. We need the final rose ceremony. We need the final rose. Even though it's like cobbled together in a kind of weird format, they're still trying to make this like an official ending of A Bachelorette. Yeah, it's basically like a fast-paced editing version. Then DLH goes to Dale's room. Dale says he's falling in love with her. And then DLH says... You mean you're in love with her? And he's like, yeah, I'm in love with her. Again, he forces him to up to LL4. The show, the producers will not settle for a falling in love. No. For this to be wrapped up nice and neat, for this to be a complete season of Bachelorette that took place in four episodes, he's got to say, I love you. They need him to say that, to have ascended to the final level. They gave him their fantasy suite. It's this just hyper-compressed it's like the last six episodes, the last six weeks of the, a normal season are all happening in like 45 minutes. 
I feel like DLH should get a bonus for this season for like how much work he's putting in here as a producer. Usually he's not as involved. We saw him dabble in it when he flew to Maddie's house to try to get her win her back for PP last season. And I feel like we see it that Auntie upped so much here in this conversation with Dale and this conversation he has with Claire. He informs Dale, I can tell you that Claire broke up with all the other guys today. And with that said, there are no more steps. This is the end of this part of the journey. What's next is the final step. It very much reminded me of like DLH is like who you see after you die. And he's like, well, that's where the journey ends, my friend. (laughs) And he puts this line in right here. Claire is going to be waiting for you and waiting for a proposal. So this proposal was not Claire's idea. We just saw that in the conversation with Claire where he's like, so a proposal? And she's like, oh my God, like she's not, she's too scared. Like, oh, that's going to push Dale Moss away. Not that she's not ready for that, but um, right here, DLH is basically being like, so you got to do this too without letting him speak with Claire first, it's basically a prisoner's dilemma of like proposal of showing up to the proposal and accepting a proposal. It's so fucking bizarre. All of this. It's like, can't they just talk? Shouldn't you just put Dale and Claire in a room together and have them figure out like, well, do we want to do this proposal or let's just like go outside in the real world and date? Like, can't we just do that? No. Claire's going to be sequestered over here. Dale, you'll be in this room. DLH is the only person you'll see. He'll come in with a camera crew every 30 minutes, and he's going to get you to up your level before, then you. Then you have to decide, yes, I want a proposal. Now you have to decide if you're going to fucking propose. You guys can't talk to each other. That's amore. I just thought it was pretty extraordinary, him, him extracting this proposal from the situation. That's all he was sent in there. It's like getting a fucking confession. It's like when a cop goes in to interrogate somebody. It's like, all we need you to do is say he planted the fucking thing in the house. Okay, I'll get it out of him no matter what. And he's just in there like, Dale's like, well, yeah, I'm falling in love with her. And he's like, you mean you're in love with her? And then Dale has to look in those dark fucking voids and see only the Grim Reaper staring back. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in love with her. I'm in love. I'm not shitting you here. In that conversation he had with Claire before this, She looked fucking scared. She was like, what is this guy about to fucking say? You can see her clocking it behind the eyes of like, how are they going to use whatever's happening here to make me look bad? She is fearing that. Well, that's what you know is going to happen when you're in a one-on-one conversation with DLH. It's never a good thing. Speaking of DLH, we're still in the DLH show. He goes (laughs) back to Claire's room now. And she says she shows up and the guys she dates don't. And she's been to this point before where it's time for the guy to show up and they're not going to do it. And she's not into that anymore. DLH tells her to trust herself. This is a fatherly moment again. He takes on the mantle of her father, just as Dale Moss will also take on the mantle of her father. And in some ways, as we'll see, this entire thing, which the show is always this, this weird patriarchal, give me a blessing, give me a blessing. He's basically serving as the father of both of them, to give them each the blessing to do what they do in the final moments of this episode. He's the blessing vessel here. She also says, like, these guys don't show up. It's everything I'm used to. DLH says, I know that, and I'm sorry for that. And I thought this was interesting, because I was like, he slash the show are responsible for two of her very public emotional breakups, (laughs) both with Benoit and with Juan Pablo. 
So we've seen her be left by these men publicly before. You think it was a personal apology on behalf of the show? Or you think he was just saying... I don't think he was... Giving a kind of general sympathy. I don't think he was trying to apologize for the show, but I was like, it's interesting because they are responsible for a lot of her tears. Then he tells her, this is the last hurdle, the biggest one for you to get over. And this sets up, again, this is a a producer-manufactured thing that doesn't exist. This sets up the final narrative obstacle, giving us some drama where there actually isn't any. Both Dale and Claire know how this is going to end. Claire works up some fucking tears because she doesn't know. It seems like they both like each other. In any normal situation, they would just talk about it again. But here they're kept apart. And Claire is allowed to seemingly dig herself into this kind of psychological hell, wondering what Dale is thinking. Is he on the same fucking page? And that's where we're hanging on with bated breath after the commercial break to find out what's going to happen. Yeah, they even show like the guys shit talking and being like, Kenny being like, I can see her falling fast, but not him. They're tried to build this completely false cliffhanger. Like they do that a couple times this episode. They made me mad. And we have Claire in her room getting ready in a beautiful white gown. She says it's been a long time coming. And she's not just talking about this season, which clearly hasn't been a long time coming. She's talking about every day since the initial appearance she made in the show six years ago. She's really trying hard here to qualify the short time she spent with Dale. And I think this might have been a producer manipulation where they're like, talk about this. Talk about how you've been on the show basically for six years. And this is just the end of that journey. You've had to try on some different guys and finally you found the right one. And it may seem quick, but actually you've been at this for six fucking (laughs) years. Don't look at it like it's four episodes of a season. And we get our final rose ceremony. Claire gives her speech to Dale. From the moment I knew you were coming, I was so excited to meet you. Wait, 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 (laughs) wait. To Dale. She's standing at the altar alone. This deserves some attention i believe this moment claire is standing in her white dress beautiful as ever at the altar the sacrificial altar now traditionally in these rose ceremonies the two finalists are both required to appear the loser almost exclusively goes first that's not happening tonight instead she's standing there she doesn't know if dale's going to come And then the score fades away, and in its place we hear the hollow footsteps of the Dark Lord himself as he crosses the Path of Pain. Now usually, the Path of Pain is only crossed by players. DLH will greet them out of the limo when they show up to the final altar, take them by the arm, if it's a lady, if it's a man, he'll shake the hand and pat him on the back, and he will usher them to the beginning of the Path of Pain. The Path of Pain is usually a bridge or a long walkway that leads from whatever hotel they're in or wherever the helicopter landed up to the actual altar where the lead is waiting for them. I call this the Path of Pain because, again, it is invariably walked by the first player who comes up. That player is dumped, and then they have to walk back down that path to a fucking limo and get whisked away. Sometimes the path is super long. I remember one time it was down like a hill that had some goats on it. In this case, there are no goats. The Path of Pain is simply a small tile bridge that leads up to the altar, and the Dark Lord crosses it. I don't know if I've ever seen him cross a Path of Pain. This is a power I didn't know he had. And then he emerges from the shadows and addresses our 16th Bachelorette on what might be the most important night of her life. 
He says, there's something I need to tell you. And we cut to Blake and Kenny at the pool saying how it's not natural what she's doing. <laughs> Literally, Blake says it's not natural. <laughs> you're, you're fucking on a reality TV show in a quarantine during a pandemic with fucking 100 cameras around you in La A 10-week game is natural and that's it. You can't have a four-week game. And then we cut back to Claire, DLH at the altar, and he says they are so proud of her. And if she's ready, he'll go get Dale. Again, this fatherly fucking moment. This moment I hated because I was like, he's like, I just want to say we're so proud of you on behalf of the show. And it's like, you've made her look like a piece of shit the past couple episodes. So much that she's getting the most online hate of anyone. She's getting fucking doxxed now. Obviously, DLH didn't know she was getting doxxed when he said this line, but it still was like, really? Okay. That simply is the show being forced to support this because, again, it's for TRR. That's the one rule not even the producers can fucking go against. They created it in the very beginning of this franchise, and it's the one tether, the one kind of foundational lie that the whole show is based around. And so, not even they can go against that. If a player and a lead fall in love, and they convey for TRR, the show must kneel to that. They have no choice. And so here, he just fucking reestablishes that for us. We're so proud of you. They hate her guts. And we get our final rose ceremony. We only get one because there's only one man left in the game. It's Dale Moss. Claire says, I can't believe we're standing here. She's like, from the moment I knew you were coming, I was so excited to meet you, referencing how she'd been stalking his social media for weeks and or cybering. She says, when you got here, it was electricity for me. I knew that I had just met my husband. You embody everything I want in a man, just like my dad had. Strong, compassionate, kind. I'm so in love with the man you are. She love level four is here. And she fucking says, you've shown me that you would never run away. And you continue to show up for me over the course of one week, I guess. You never ran away. You always showed up for me in the one time that you had the opportunity. It's like, what the fuck is she talking about? It sounds like she's known him for a million years and he's done all this great shit for her. Also, my my favorite thing about you is that you will never leave me. (laughs) It's an aggressive second date thing to say to someone. They haven't even had a one-on-one date. He says he loves being compared to her father and he wants to fill that role. He says he thinks his mother would like her. He L fours her. She LL fours him. They kiss. He brings out tears. And then he fucking proposes. And we get that beautiful shot. He gets down on his knee. He pops the ring box. We see the Neil Lane name in the fucking inside cover. No demon, though. Didn't get any demon, only demon on a phone. No demon here, no demon with the rings. We didn't get to see that beautiful montage, the twirling of the sparklers. I really like that part in the very end of all seasons. It's hyper consumerism (laughs) at its best. Show me that glittery fucking ring. She's like, are you doing it? He's like, I'm doing it. Claire, will you marry me? And this proposal was my... Play, 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 play of the game. 
Something that I don't think we've really talked about much this season is that this is the first season where, in a while, where you knew The Bachelor for the next season ahead of time. So it is ring winner or bust this season. Dale is sort of being forced into this situation, arguably. You know, he's going to have to justify himself to the other guys and fight all of these for TWR, were you cybering rumors, etc. But coming away engaged is the best result you could have from this season. And Dale does it. He sets a record. People are going to be following that. They're going to be following, like, when are you going to get married? And I don't think he had to make this play. But I think it just rounded out what was pretty much a perfect season for me. Yeah, it was definitely a strong play. I Like you're saying, I don't think he had much of a choice here. I think the deal was cut with them. I think the producers sat them both down and were like, look, here's how this has to end. We need you guys to do a proposal. They probably even had a conversation. It's like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Who knows what it means? We can like, in quotes, be fucking engaged for a year or whatever. And if it doesn't work out, fine. We They hope it does. And even from what we saw in the end of this episode, it seems like they're legitimate to me. I know I can't believe I'm saying that, but it does. That's beautiful. There's hope in 2020. I think it really has something to do with the election. I think my general attitude about humanity is <laughs> not great. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm saying it's a degree better than it was. And that gives me enough hope that maybe Joe Biden can win. Maybe Dale Moss and Claire fucking Crawley are real. Oh, my God. What is how is this episode going to land? Are we going to know by the time this this comes out? But yeah, Dale Love Level 4 is here, brings up both of their parents, their dual PTCs. He's perfectly mirroring her. He brings out tears here. It was a perfect, beautiful moment. And I feel like coming away in this couple is going to continue to do wonders for his parasocial game. Totally agree. I think the next year of his life is going to see a million followers. I think she's going to fucking crack a million too. I know we early on predicted that maybe they wouldn't, but I think... If what we have seen in the current trend of how Bachelor Nation interacts with people on the parasocial arena now, I think they're both headed for the Million Club because they were so controversial. This was so huge, what they've done. Nothing like this has ever happened. I think they're going to be a source of fascination for a long, long time in Bachelor Nation. And one very interesting moment I thought was when she gives him the final rose Dale, will you accept this rose? He goes, I will accept the final rose. He makes sure to say final rose, and he says it like a fucking robot. This is a line the producers forced him to say for sure. They're like, we need you to say final rose. We need you to say, I will accept the final rose, okay? Because it has to be final. We're wrapping this bachelorette up. This story concluded. It was successful. That's what we're presenting here. I will accept the final rose. It was so funny how he labeled it. It was very bizarre. They make out a ton. He also lifts her up again, his signature move. He repeats, when you know, you know, a line we didn't see Claire say to him, but I guess we're supposed to just think they're so in sync that he's repeating this line fed to her by Deanna. And he also says, "Do let's do the damn thing. Yeah. Reprising Becca Krufen's line here, which was interesting. And that's something he claims in an Instagram live with Claire Crawley that came out tonight. He claims that he never saw The Bachelor. Motherfucker, mm. you're quoting Becca Kuprin. So we know there's a little bit of deceit 
somewhere in Delmas. He's not all good. There is. I a mean, dark I don't side. think Becca Kufrin said this for the first time out of all people. I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but in this world, in the Bachelor world, that's a Becca Kufrin right. Ryan. Sorry. So with that story wrapped up, we get back to the guys who have been left hanging. Riley and Kenny are out by the pool talking about how they don't want to go home. DLH shows up at their common room and he apologizes on behalf of the fucking show. Really sorry about this, you guys. He knows that they came there for Instagram followers. They know that they came there for Instagram followers. And Kenny asks DLH about Claire researching Dale. He doesn't say, did they talk outside the show? Mm -hmm. He says, what's this deal about her researching him before the show? And DLH says, they've never had to deal with something like this on the show before. But he was assured they didn't talk. He skirts that question. He says nothing about researching. Because they're not going to bring up the parasocial implication of it. I don't know if it's because they don't understand it or because they don't want to admit that that was the thing that derailed the whole fucking show. But he just says, nope, they didn't talk. Everything's on the up and up. Fuck researching people. I'm not going to acknowledge that as a question. He does say, did she have it on her mind? I don't know. Which is like vaguely referencing like that she knew who he was. But he tells them last night Dale got down on one knee and proposed to Claire and she said yes. So Claire and Dale have left quarantine this bubble together. Blake reacts to this by saying, I don't know if I need drinks or sleep. (laughs) And I'm like, that to me seems like kind of the psychological state of any player in any version of the game at any time. Should I get drunk or pass out? Should I get drunk or pass out? I feel like it represented me this week. It was like, (laughs) well, I got to be feeling a different way than I feel right now, whether it's unconscious or fucked up. And then because we have half an hour of a fucking episode left, DLH tells them all something historic happened. And because of what happened, your journey's not over. You need to make a decision. Can you look past Claire and whatever feelings you developed with her and be ready to move on. And Jason is like, well, what's the timetable for that? Because I really opened up to her. (laughs) I definitely know what day of the week it is. What's the timetable? And DLH says, you have plenty of time. You need to make that decision by 6 p.m. tonight. Bye. And it's just like, come on, this show at this point, how can any of it be taken seriously? All of these guys are acting. This is another completely false cliffhanger. They're like, oh, maybe Blake and Jason won't show up for the mystery event. They don't even tell them what it is. <laughs> well, it's because they have to have it clean. They can't be like, and Tasha's the next Bachelorette, and that's what we're doing. Because then, guys, it could be perceived that like they weren't exactly Tabula Rasa coming in. It's like, you have to make this decision sight unseen. You can't know what's going to happen. Are you ready to just go into something blind? And, of course, like you're saying, this is all a fucking fake piece of bullshit about... Some people might not show up. They're all coming. Everybody came here for Instagram followers. This is how you have to get them. So they're moving forward, of course. Yeah, Jason's having a really hard time by the pool. I invested a lot. I still do care about Claire loading a love level one that he'll never get to say to Claire. Bennett has a little moment where he's excited for whatever's next because he says he never had a chance to connect with Claire. This is the correct play here. It turns out to be like true for him. But also, this is exactly how you want to do it. Yes, whatever I had going on with Claire, it wasn't really much. Dale kind of fucking stole all of our thunder, so I'm ready to move forward. There are 16 of these guys left. They all walk into a common room in groups of three in different various suits, and they all sit on these couches. And 
easy ITMs that he doesn't think Jason's going to show up, his roommate, and he's been nervously awaiting it. And we get this stupid fucking like dramatic, like, oh God, is Jason going to show up? Meanwhile, even if he doesn't, I don't care. No one cares. But <laughs> of course he's going to fucking show up. There's absolutely no way he won't. And indeed, there he is walking in in his jacket. This is essentially the loser's bracket of this season. I mean, they beat the night one guys, so they're not quite the loser's bracket. And then Kenny gets a line here where he says, it's a clean slate. DLH tells them there's a new bachelorette coming in. Clean slate, he says. It's not a fucking clean slate. You think Tasha didn't look at all these guys' fucking Instagrams? All of them, just like Claire did. Literally every one. She's seen all the same shit Claire has. A hundred percent. They just didn't have the chance to DM her and buy books about whatever yeah. her mom's ailments are. <laughs> I mean, she didn't have months knowing she was going into this. Or maybe she did. She didn't have months knowing she was going into this, but we all had those months looking at these guys' Instagrams. I think if she just even had general curiosity about the franchise, which we know she was in contention to be this exact bachelorette, they met with her before they cast Claire. She was in the running. I'm sure she was curious enough to be like, oh, fuck, these are the guys that I might have been dating. Of course she's looked. Yeah, and might still date in their postseason. Exactly. Blake, the night one anticipation is back, and Tasha steps out. We get our first glimpse of her. A new hero on the horizon. Tasha feels like she's being punked. She's like, oh, it's real seeing your face. And DLH is like, does it put you at ease or freak you out? <laughs> We cut to easy. He says he's ready for this. He wants what Claire has. He wants somebody to step out of the limo and fall in love with him immediately. Perfect fucking play. Absolutely perfect. Them putting that line in made me wonder. I was like, what if Tasha ends up with easy? And that's why we haven't heard anything about these allegations. Oh, interesting. They just buried his sexual assault allegations. I don't know. Interesting. I have no idea. And... This is part of why I was so excited for Tasha. is like, I don't know anything beyond the guys we currently have. I don't know who goes far. I have guesses based on their editing. Same. I'm in a clean season now. I know. And I don't know how to stay clean because everyone... Please don't message us spoilers. Pit, please. Jordan, my walls are a little higher than when I came in, but that doesn't mean I'm willing to break those down. Great setup. Like, this is a completely blind date. He keeps repeating that line for some reason. He's like, you should at least be able to see a picture or something. He can't yeah. understand how to do it without the parasocial element. I mean, he's probably only dated people through online dating or DMing them or something. And we see Taisha is about to walk in and we get a to be continued. And we get a little tag. Claire and Dale are making a salad. It seems very cute. She does a weird hooju in the kitchen on him. They seem happy. They seem like they're having fun. Uh, they seem like a real couple to me. And for that reason, Dale Moss was my MMMMMVP. He has destroyed the game using only parasocial play we've never seen anything like this and granted covid facilitated it without that i don't know if it would have happened but it did fucking happen and this was a victory that was so dominant i don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again 
I didn't even know something like this was possible. He fucking wrecked the game four episodes and out. And he is, to my knowledge, only the second player of color to win the ring as a male. Brian Abasolo being the other one who is Rachel Lindsay's ring winner. But really, Dale is kicking off this new era in the game where we see male player of color winning the ring. In the same episode, we get Tasha, only our second ever black bachelorette coming out, and we know the next bachelor is going to be Matt James. So Dale really is potentially marking this new era in the game with more racial diversity, at least in the highest positions, the leads and the ring winners. Dale Moss was also my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
concerned about. He, yeah. He brought it up every time he was on screen. <laughs> he definitely seemed like a little snaky to me. But there you have it. That is episode four, week three, season 16 of your Bachelorette. Claire is out. Tasha is in. We have witnessed an historic evening in more ways than one. Yeah, what's that? what's Tasha at now? <laughs> Refresh. She's at nine hundred eighty-eight thousand followers. Only twelve thousand to go. God, when we wake up, she's gonna have hit it. It's twelve forty-six a.m. on Thursday night, Friday morning, and yeah, I think she's gonna hit it by the time we're up. So yeah, if the tone feels incorrect for the day, it's because we recorded this before she hit it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm very happy about that. It seems like something we've been waiting for for a long fucking time. Yeah. But thank all of you once again for going on this journey with us into uncharted territory. This is really some new, new shit for our beloved game. And it was a pleasure to watch and a pleasure to break down with you, Pace Case. I am. I can't wait for next episode. I'm like, what is that dynamic going to be like? Can't wait. So good job, Bachelorette. And we will be back with our coverage of that next episode next Wednesday because the airing schedule is going to revert back to Bachelorette on Tuesday. We will have this exact same style of episode where we break down the game out on Wednesday. The next Friday is going to be our This Week in Bachelor Nation where we go through Bachelor Nation news and parasocial play, screams from the pit, all of that. Be sure to tune in. Everyone be safe out there with uh, COVID and protests, etc. Whatever may come. Stay as safe as you can, and please keep sending in those tidbits. We love the tidbits. <laughs> there were a lot of good tidbits this week. Just fucking so much crazy shit happening. So much election stuff. All this crazy shit with Claire. It was, it's been a good week for tidbits. This week in tidbits, is that something? <laughs> Definitely. And of course, thank you to everyone for your continued vigilance with regard to getting us on the Clickbait Podcast. Please keep hitting them up on Instagram and leaving them very positive, glowing reviews in an effort to get us on that show. It is our dark dream, and it must come true. And as always, before we go, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,801 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. 
Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.